Hello, listeners. This is producer John. Open Pike Night is going to be at Trek Long Island 2024. From May 31st to June 2nd, Cameron and myself, producer John, will be in the Big Apple living long and prospering. We'll be hosting a panel. We'll be giving out stickers. We will have our microphones. Be sure to follow Open Pike on social media and subscribe to openpike.substack.com because we also will be giving away some Trek Long Island weekend passes. Trek Long Island is May 31st to June 2nd at the Hyatt Regency in Hopog, New York. This is Celia Rose Gooding, and you're listening to Open Pike Night, where hailing frequencies are always open. Lucky you! Is this thing on? Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Pike Night, the podcast where your personal logs are the prime directive. I'm your host, John T. Bolds, here tonight with some amazing guests on stage and in the studio to have a conversation with a person who might be the first in history to be described as having a big earpiece to fill. We have donned our dress uniforms, befriended a grumpy ENR engineer, had music hour with a comet, and formed a tight-knit crew, and our valued guests on the Open Pike Night stage have come to show their support. Joining me today are my co-hosts, the man who was a wide-eyed podcast cadet last year when Strange New World started, and now he's a confident pod ensign, host of Sudden But Inevitable, Jesse. I am a Woo! confident pod ensign, as people know, <laughs> and I feel this this may be as high as I get to go on the rank ladder because John is very stingy with the promotions, people. <laughs> <laughs> and the man who keeps the open pike night social media crowd distracted by doing his patented moonlit naked fan dance host of green shirt and newbies trek through tng cameron i'll have to ask my wife if i can shave my legs but i think i could pull it off i think so and to our guest i want you to know that our callers and listeners are happy for you no. and they wish nothing but the best for all of us both in this interview and I'm here to play calls for you about the role you play on the Enterprise. And if you have a great time today, please tell your coworkers that it's not fair to deny us of the interview requests that we send their way. By now, you, you, you ought to know who we're interviewing today. Oh, Grammy winner, Tony nominee, fire. and all-around badass, Celia Rose Gooding. Welcome to Open Pike Night. <laughs> you can't see it because this is an audio thing, but I just did a spin in, in a chair and, and it, it didn't was land wonderful. is what I wanted to. She but did. Hi! Can't confirm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, Celia. Of, of course. I'm happy to be here. I've been dying to chat with y'all. So I'm, I'm, oh. I'm glad we've, we've finally did it. Season two, we made it. That's right. Yeah. So we're going to uh, start with your early career trajectory, and we are going to let one of our callers start off the interview. Oh, my gosh. Okay, cool. We're right in it. Here's D. Hi, Celia and John and Cam and Jesse. It's Dee. And I've been such a fan of Jagged Little Pill and you since it like opened. You're so freaking talented. You're it's just you're amazing. And I was so excited to see you join the cast of Strange New Worlds. 
And I've been so like it's been amazing seeing you as Neota in Strange New Worlds. You are an amazing performer with a, a Tony Nom under your belt and a Grammy. Like if you had to pick a theme song for Neota, what would it be? And is it different between season one and season two? And also, what would your personal theme song be? I hope we get to see more of Neota. Uh, that shuttle crash scene that we saw in the trailer. I can't wait to see more about it. I can't wait to see you in more projects. And everything that you're going to do is just going to be amazing. But I hope that there's a musical episode in season two of Stranger Worlds. Just because I like, I want you to get the chance to shine. But I'm, I just, I, musical episodes are fun. I think they're great. Okay, bye. I... I'm going to have the best time here. <laughs> That's so That's what's sweet. <laughs> my, my ego. Oh, God. <laughs> um, uh, uh, my goodness. How kind. Um, I just got so washed in compliments. I don't even remember what the question was. But um, no, I think Neota would absolutely have a theme song. To, I think there would be a different one for each season. Um I think her, oh God, I'm such a music nerd. And so I have to get this right. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to start with my personal one. Cause that's easier to speak to. I would okay. say my theme song right now in this chapter. No, that's actually Neotis. Just kidding. Um, Go for gold by Alex Isley. It is on her EP Labrie. Um, spelled B-R-E-A, love Alex Isley. Um, it is, I think that would be her season, like the space between season one and season two, post Hemmer, mm-hmm. pre-Ensign. Uh, I think she would, it, it's such a song of like, go for gold. If you don't, you'll never know. Just keep on going. And that is something that like I was listening to when going through that that uh, uh, timeline of like being in between season one and season two and not knowing anything really. Um, that would be season two Uhura, her theme song. Season one uh, uh, is definitely Tech It by Rafune, that song that goes, I watch the moon, let okay. it run my mood, can't stop thinking of you. That song I think is definitely... In my mind, there's a. I have like plot lines for Uhura in my head for like seasons <laughs> three, four, five. Like I, I have them in my mind, and knowing what I want for Uhura in the future, that song being the thing for her season one theme song makes a lot of sense. So in like mm. 2027, <laughs> when I talk about the context of what I'm thinking of, D, you and I will have a lovely conversation about why I chose this. Nice. Um, I think my personal Excellent. theme song right now is this song called what is on my uh uh theme song is different than favorite song theme theme um it has to be go for gold that's just like i i love that song and it's such a testament to like what my inner monologue is especially right now is just like go for it don't hold back try your best you are supported you are uplifted you are loved like that just sort of songs with affirmation I love that. Anyway, that took forever for me to answer. It was a, a question that spoke very directly to me <laughs> as a person. Uh, so I, 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 it was important for me to nail that. Sorry. <laughs> nail nice it, you did. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And we can't wait to see you on that musical episode. <laughs> Whenever it happens. <laughs> we'll also post links to all those on, on the Twitter when we put this mm. interview up. So yes, please do. Yeah. 
I'll, yep, I'll, I'll send you all my Neota playlist because I have a I have a playlist of songs Ooh. for uh, uh, a season one Uhura, and it's like five hours long, filled with a lot of my like golden favorites. So I'll send that, and y'all can post if you if oh, you see. Yeah. yeah, 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 we do absolutely. All right, well, let's kind of head back to the beginning, Celia. I've I've read that you first wanted to become an actor when you watched your mother win a Tony Award for The Color Purple. Yeah, uh, assuming Wikipedia wasn't lying about that, it sounds like <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, can you take us back to that moment? Like, what was that light switch moment like for you when you realized that's what you wanted to do with your life? Yes, absolutely. The year is 2005. I am five <laughs> years old wearing an Easter dress in some <laughs> midtown hotel room with my sister and my grandmother. And we're watching the awards go by and my mom's category comes up and I get really close to the TV because my mother's <laughs> very important to me. And I remember seeing her win and the look of like unquestionable joy that that look of like shock and wonderment and 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 pride and emotional stirring like all of that just it moved me i don't think i'd ever seen my uh, as a 5 year old i'm pretty sure i'd never seen my mother go through such a complex wave of emotions at once and then just be so happy and that feeling of unquestionable joy is something that I, as an adult, am now chasing. But being five years old, I think I just saw her light up in a way I didn't know people could. Hmm. And I was like, whatever, whatever made her do that, I want to do that too. And it just so happened to be musical theater, the song and the dance. Um, But uh yeah, I, I Wikipedia was right. Uh, Wikipedia is rarely wrong. And if anyone knows how to change my like picture on Wikipedia, please, <laughs> something more flattering would be lovely. <laughs> Not me with my bangs in my eyes, bangs for a wig that I was not properly taking care of. Just anything more. Use my headshot. Something else. Complete. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, that that was sort of the beginning of of a lovely lovely spiral into madness that's becoming an actor <laughs> do you feel you've reached that moment that you saw your mom have on the screen i've had flickers of it there have definitely mm-hmm. been moments where i felt joy without being like when i say unquestionable joy i mean joy that's like I don't know. As an actor, I feel like I do a lot more introspection on my feelings than norm- normal people. I, I put mm-hmm. quotes around normal because what is that? But um, I often find myself whenever I'm experiencing an emotion really strongly, I'm like, am I feeling this because I'm actually feeling it? Or am I feeling this because I think anyone else in my position would feel this mm-hmm. way? And therefore I mm-hmm. should too. Um, and when I think of unquestionable joy, I think of a joy that you feel that you know is yours. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, I haven't had many moments of undeniable, unquestionable joy, but I find that when I have had them, they have been in entertainment in, in have, like, I remember opening night of Jagged Little Pill. There's a, a, a photo of me just like, so washed. That's all I can really do. Just like bathed and saturated in like, sparkly golden delicious joy and and that is where it is i know it's in it's in entertainment and in acting and in theater and in tv and film just moments where i can really put 
vulnerability out and have it be received well. That that it is a testament to many things that I talk about in therapy, but um, also uh, 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 moments of, of undeniable joy that are just good to have. I think everyone deserves them. I just I now know where mine are. Is the resident like overly emotional, very excitable uh, fanboy on the show? I just got to say, I think it's really cool to hear that a large portion of your motivation is just the pursuit of joy. Like, yeah, there was nothing in your answer that's like, yeah, I want to be famous. I want to be rich. You know, like those are. <laughs> I mean, those are nice parts of it right. that I would also enjoy. But, and, but I think, and they come uh, from the joy that you bring, and it's exactly. uh, that's that's just so cool to me, and I just want to say thank you for that. <laughs> Of course, of course. I, I think a lot of what human the 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 meaning of life, if we're to get real deep for a second, is the pursuit of joy, in my opinion. Um, mm. uh, because things, tangible things, people, experiences, they pass, but feelings are a a ever like even when you don't think you're feeling something, the lack of feeling is a feeling itself. And feelings, good feelings, are the things that uh, uh, charge me because. Man, uh, 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 it's important for me to chase that joy. Well, I've got uh, one more theater question, but let's uh, let's jump into a caller question first. Oh, yay! This is Kate from Canada. Also, just wanted to say hi to Celia uh, and and wanted to say that you did a fantastic job playing her this season. I don't know much current Broadway productions, but um, uh, I know some of the controversy that went around with Jagged Little Pill. Mm. And when you left that production... You made a as part of your statement. You said that you, um, in in support of trans and non-binary performers, you said, "I believe it'll be in my best personal interest to focus more on work that I can align myself with emotionally and morally." And in just and uh, in fact, just yesterday, uh, Anson came out on Twitter and 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 publicly showed support for a trans YouTuber that was being harassed by followers of Matt Walsh. Yes, and so it just made me. Uh, think how much is Strange New Worlds something that you can focus on in terms of both emotionally and morally being in agreement with? Thank you. Live long and prosper. What a wonderful question. God, y'all are moving me. I appreciate it. Um, I would say Strange New Worlds is absolutely something that actually, I wouldn't even say just Strange New Worlds. I think Star Trek as a franchise as a, as a, as a, as a movement. Uh, if we're to get real grand about it, uh, I think the idea of showcasing infinite diversity and infinite combinations is something that I can absolutely align myself with. Um, uh, I think that was something, I think it, Strange New Worlds found me at a point where I really needed something to be hopeful about. Um, uh, especially thinking of just like December, 2020, what that time was, uh, uh, I just really needed something to like charge me and bring me back to myself, um, in a, in a, in a positive and fulfilling way. And I think that strange new world is absolutely that. Um, I, I think Uhura is, is absolutely that she is. I think my Uhura specifically is, and it's going to be so funny when I hear this back, I'm going to be like, Celia, that was such a dumb thing to say, but she's so <laughs> human. human. She's raw and honest and vulnerable and unsure and just all of the things that I think so many people are afraid to be publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think a lot of, uh, of people, myself included, have a really hard time 
with the threat of being seen failing uh, uh, and with the threat of being seen just not at your best. And to play a character who in her future, in, in, in the start, in her future, when she gets older, but a version that has lived in the past, uh, uh, her past future self, Nichelle Nichols Uhura, let me make this easier for my brain. <laughs> yeah. Her Uhura was so regal and had a, an inquisitiveness and a passion and a security within herself that my Uhura does not have. And I think it is so lovely to play a character who we know is going to turn into that, but starts in a really human place of like, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and I'm young and I'm new and this is scary. Help. Like to, to, to play someone who can just so easily offer that is so freeing and cathartic as an actor and as a young person who has often also had those feelings. Yeah, just just to answer your question, yes, this is. I feel like I'm absolutely doing something that I can align myself with energetically and morally, and to honor myself and to honor those who share my lived experience. And yeah, I I, I think Trek as a franchise has a wonderful way of finding and making homes for people who feel as they don't have them anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me specifically, I know it's done that for me. Well, I think that's a perfect lead into Mariah's question, honestly. It sure is. Great. Let's hear from Mariah. Hi, Open Pike Night. It's Mariah. And Celia Rose Gooding. Hello. It's very exciting that you decided to come on the show. Uh, I have loved watching your Uhura go from this very competent but wide-eyed and kind of confused almost kid into... Uh, a confident ensign, and I can't wait to see where she goes. I'm really, it's been delightful. Um, my question is for you as a queer person, what do you think you bring in particular to this role or to the sort of Star Trek world uh, in particular? I have loved that Star Trek is becoming more explicitly queer. I think that it's always been a place that queer storylines and ways of being have been understood, and it's really exciting to have that be canon. Um, So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. Y'all have given me such a gift. You have no idea. Uh, um, uh, Yes. I think that as a queer person, as as a queer individual, taking up space in the Star Trek universe is a moment within itself. I think playing, we we haven't seen my Uhura in love yet. And so I don't really know how they're going to play her. Uh, I think because of the inherent nature of me bringing all of myself to this role, there is an inherent queerness about her. Um, Mm. And whether or not that is, like you said, uh, I'm going to quote you directly, uh, uh, Mariah, I don't know if it's ever going to be explicit in 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 how she loves and who she loves and what love looks like to her. Um, uh, but I would say, as someone who is very openly queer and and very openly gender queer, uh, somebody who just doesn't fuck with the binary for real, um, I think it is wonderful 
Um, I think the the explicitly queer aspects of Trek, the the discoveries, the the casting, I, I uh, the discoveries meaning discovery the show and not the discoveries right, being right. made by characters within the show. Um, I think that is something that has been so inherently wonderful about Trek and so inherently within Trek. It, it, it I think Trek and sci-fi has made a home for a lot of queer people simply because the future of queerness and, and the future of how queerness is treated is a lot more hopeful than how it is treated now. And, and while that is disheartening and heartbreaking to consider, it's very real. And as someone in my position with my platform, it is something that I can't just not think about. Um, uh, but I think to speak to my Uhura, I don't know if my, my personal queerness is something that I bring to the character as much as like when, I don't know, I like to think I'm pretty visibly queer. And so when people see me, they're like, that person is queer. Uh, um, and so I don't know if I can like take that off uh, 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 when I play Uhura because it's still my face and my body and my mannerisms and just how I carry myself. But I think when you step away from me and look to Trek as a franchise, I think the work that they've done for the queer community and the representation that they've had for the queer community is pretty groundbreaking. I do have to ask, were you um, uh, a science fiction or Star Trek fan before entering Strange New Worlds? I say by genetic birthright. I come <laughs> from a community of Trekkies. My mother is, is she, when I found out that, when she found out I was auditioning for Star Trek, <laughs> she, not literally, but she grabbed me, sat me on the couch, put a big bowl of kettle corn in front of me and was like, there are 20 some episodes in three seasons. Each episode is a full 60 minutes long. We will be watching as many of them as possible. Um, and so I think by the time I got to, to actually officially booking it, I, I had as much, uh, uh, I really uh, uh, fell into my Trekkie culture. Um, my genetic, my genetic birthright, my God. Um, uh, so yes, I, I, I think I was a fan as I was auditioning, but before then I, I think, I don't know. I think because Trek is such of a like far reaching franchise, I didn't realize it before I booked, but after I realized that Star Trek is quoted, referenced, like it, it, it's everywhere. Trek is everywhere. Um, and so I think part of me uh, was always a Trekkie um, just because I really appreciate what Trek stands for. Um, uh, uh, so whether or not I knew, whether or not my level of information about Trek, uh, uh, grew, I think I, part of me was always had the moral alignment, the, the inquisitiveness, the, the hopefulness of a, of a promising future like a Trekkie would. Yeah. The way we put it here is like Star Trek isn't pop culture. Star Trek is now culture. It is. It really is. I was watching an episode of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race the other day <laughs> and Shea Coulee, one of my favorite queens of all time, she threw up the Vulcan salute. And I was like, mother, you know me? <laughs> but yeah, Trek is everywhere. <laughs> Well, speaking of Trek, let's uh, enter the Star Trek arena a little more, and we'll start with a call from Tessa. This is Tessa. Your first season of the podcast has been fantastic. 
I have never been the starstruck by an interview, though. Hi, Celia. Hi. I listen to Jagged Little Pill very frequently. I think you have an incredible voice. It has made me enjoy the Alanis Morissette album a lot more than I did before. I am a little obsessed with that musical after finding it. I wanted to ask about Star Trek, though, because that is how I found Jag Little Pill was through being obsessed with Strange New Worlds. I recently made my parents start watching Strange New Worlds with me, and the second that you showed up on screen, my mom went, oh my god, she's so perfect for Neota. She's absolutely adorable. And I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> I have loved every second of, of your portrayal of guys. There. I think you do a phenomenal job. I was just wondering, what has been the hardest part of playing this legacy character? And were you nervous to fill these shoes? Thank you so much. Um, bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you, Tess. Very kind. And Tessa's parents, thanks for watching. Um, uh, the hardest part? Oof, oof. I can do the PR answer or the real answer. Um, the real answer, honestly, is keeping my eyes off of what people are saying about me. Um, uh, I am unfortunately a very um feedback hungry individual it's the actor in me it is the it is the probably wounded inner child who just needs to hear that they're good uh uh in me um i i i do not shy away from praise and compliments even though i don't receive them very well i do like hearing them every once in a while um <laughs> And Trekkies are wonderful and so incredibly kind, but there is also an underbelly of incredibly unkind individuals. What? Uh, yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> no. um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I found that it's just like Yelp. People often don't go to Yelp if they've had a fantastic time. People go to right. Yelp to complain. Um, and I have found that social media is kind of like Yelp in that way of like, when people don't like something, they will let me know. And sometimes they want me to know so badly, they will DM their negative opinions of me wow. to my personal social media accounts. And part of me used to get some weird dopamine, like some weird dopamine kick from just like hearing the worst of it. Um, uh, just because I, I like to know, I don't know, some sick part of me likes to hear the good <laughs> and the bad just to keep me I don't know, in some weird mental spiral. I guess I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a bit masochistic, but hey, here we are. Um, I think that the hardest part is definitely just putting my phone down and saying, you know what? Other people's opinions of me, the good, the bad, are not my business. They, they, they are conversations that are being held without me. So it, is, it would be intrusive of me to participate in those sort of conversations because they're not about me they're about the perceived version of me that lives in people's heads um mm. uh and that is not who i am and who that person is is not a expectation that i ever have to meet and i've recently had to remind myself of like other people's expectations are not my responsibility and i like what i'm doing and i'm proud of myself and i make my mama proud and i keep my lights <laughs> on that is all i really need to be doing in this life uh, uh if people don't like it there are 80 different iterations of trek for them to love so i'll, I'll let them rock but um, yeah, that, that I would say is the hardest part is just getting off of social media and, and not taking people's opinions of me, good or bad, to heart.
Um, because if I take only the good stuff, then my ego goes crazy. If I take only the negative stuff, I'll never leave my house again. Um, (laughs) so it, it, it's important for me to just stay out of conversations that weren't meant for me to be in. Cause 10 years ago, we did not have access to everybody's opinions all the time. And I'm trying to remind myself that like, I don't have to be actively searching my indirects on Twitter. That's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> heartbreaking. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, but I like to see the good stuff. And every once in a while, I will. I did it this morning. I, I absolutely was in my car seeing, like, what are people saying about, about, <laughs> about Strange New Worlds, about me, about Hora? And then I saw something that I was like, haircut commentary, which we don't have to talk about. I just <laughs> go down because I'm going to go into this day upset and I don't want to do that. So I also, if it was just that. excitement to hear you on our podcast is what people would have been talking about this morning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, what, exactly. Just, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. all they should have been talking about today. So, yeah. Well, with all that being said, you know, uh, you performed season two in a vacuum before anyone had seen season one. Mm -hmm. Now that people have watched both seasons, when you head into season three, do you think any feedback will make its way into your performance or do you think you'll be pretty? Without a doubt. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that fan opinion has I'm I'm a sponge. I, I, I can't help it. I, I, and that's why I've been reminding myself to put my phone down because I don't want other people's opinions of my performance affecting my performance because then I'm not yeah. doing it for Uhura. I'm doing these for people who I'm trying to prove that I'm doing it right. Like that's, that's just not my job. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think I know certain decisions I've made have been influenced by, if not family and friend and, and like my perceived opinion of the general consensus of Trekkies, I think. A lot of the decisions, uh, not a lot, some, two big ones, but some that I've made have definitely been influenced by like what I've heard so far. And I think they are positive changes. I wouldn't say they're changes, they're growths, not growths, disgusting. Uh, 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 signs of growth, excuse uh. me. Terrible. Um, Her is uh, gross. There's the title of the episode, yeah, guys. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get a lovely email from PR tomorrow being like, hey, so, um, what's this about? Um, <laughs> uh, but they'll just have to listen to the episode to find out, huh? That's right. There um, we go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. To contrast Tessa's question, uh, what have you liked the most about the parts of the role that weren't there before that you have gotten to design for Ohura? The the being in her quarters when her cadet crewmates turn on a fake sun, you know, the, the, the in-betweens, the captain's dinners, stuff like that. What's, what's been your favorite part about that? My favorite part. I, oof, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm real lucky. I go to work and, and everything feels like summer camp. I, I, I it just, I, I'm doing what I love, what I love to do with a character that I'm passionate about with a cast that is like, so killer and and so like seasoned but also so incredibly kind and patient with me and a crew that is like just like s tier badasses across the board <laughs> um uh and so to be considered a a teammate and a peer with such an incredible group of individuals is like one of the wonderful parts but i think for uhura 
the best part, I, I, it sounds so cheesy and so like typical actor thing to say, but like growing with her, like every time I watch the show and I do watch the show, I watch it quite a little bit obsessively, looking back and seeing basically where I was in my journey a year prior. Cause that's basically the timeline is how it's worked out. Like when the episodes come out, we finish shooting them a little over a year ago. And just watching her growth has been so, I say her as if it's not also me, but not me at all. It's been wonderful to grow with her and to watch her make mistakes and still be kind to herself. Man, if we could all have that instinct. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I learned so much from her and I love her so much and I'm so protective of my baby. That girl is mine. <laughs> but I think the part, so many parts have been so lovely. Truly all of it. I, I, I know I harped a lot on the negative and, and I'm sort of waxing poetic about the positive, but just growing with her, getting to know her more and more. Mm. Get, oh, seeing people, people who look like me, who shared my lived experience being like, yes, this is a conversation that I've been dying to have, but I, but I don't know how to do it because it's hard to be black and sensitive and, and, and insecure. It's hard to be all those things at once. Um, and to play a character who was so beloved, but also had a very insecure start and just people being like, this was very healing for me to witness. Like mm. for every bullshit negative DM I get, I get 40 positive ones of just like, this is really healing for me. This is really gratifying for me. My mother and I love watching you. Like, I love what you're doing with this character. Thank you for modernizing it. Thank you for giving her a heart and a backbone and 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 some some bite to her. I I I don't know. I love I love her. I love her so much. Um, and to grow with her has been wonderful. If I may, you mentioned earlier that something you really love about this character is that she is so human in in such a you know, fantastical setting. Mm -hmm. I got to say, like, the similarities between you and she that you have spoken about really do come through. Like, oh, good. for a lot of folks, you know, people on TV and in movies are these unattainable, like, superhero yeah. kind of people. And you and really every cast member we spoke with has really just exemplified that the casting matters so much because so much of you is in these characters and just the humility and the understanding that you are bringing is like just that is healing to know that famous people are normal people is, is <laughs> yeah. huge so our, thank you. Our, listen I, I take my rosé in a chill glass like anybody else uh, um, uh, I, I I appreciate you saying that I, I agree Folks, she's I holding up a solid gold goblet right now yeah. I don't know uh, uh, yeah. you mean a chalice of, 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 yeah, uh, uh, of fresh from the bottle of wine yes um, uh, because this is an audio platform I'll let you know now I've been nursing a child latte for about 18 hours and i don't know how healthy that is but i'm doing it i agree when speaking on my cast members i'm not gonna big up myself on a public platform i'll do that later uh but um i agree i think it's because we all understand how important trek is to people um and so it would be a disservice to the community that has given us an opportunity to tell these stories to show up as anything but human um, unless you're playing an Andorian, uh, and then you will show up <laughs> as an Andorian or a Vulcan or a, or a half Vulcan. Uh, uh, shout out to Ethan. 
um, yes. or an Illyrian. Shout out to Rebecca. Um, <laughs> uh, spoiler. Sorry. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And it is not lost on me. I think our casting team did a wonderful job of collecting humans who are good at what they do, who respect the franchise and respect one another enough to show up as the best versions of themselves available on any given day. So cool. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got a couple back to back callers here. Back to Some back. similar questions. So we'll start with Michelle. Celia, thank you so much for bringing Ahura back to our screens. You have given her a youthful, joyful enthusiasm and a depth that this character always deserved. And it really honors the memory of Nichelle Nichols. And in some ways, I think you're really channeling her and her great spirit. And it really, it shines through your performance. So thank you for that. I look forward to seeing what you're going to bring to season two. Uh, but I grew up with Uhura as a little girl and looked up to her because she was able to be successful and smart and funny and be friends in a quote unquote man's world. So it, it's inspiring to see her legacy continuing in you. So thank you. My question is, last season we saw Uhura really gravitate to Hammer. Is there any character in season two that you think Ahura will befriend or grow closer to that we should look out for? I know we can't get into spoilers, but I hope maybe you could give us a hint. Thank you again for coming on and for interacting with fans. I look forward to seeing what you're going to do in season two. Live long and prosper. And here's Jesse from Alaska. Hey, this is Jesse from Alaska. In season one, we saw Uhura working closely with Hemmer and Leon, and we had some really great character dynamics come out of that. So is there a specific character or race that you would like to see Uhura paired up with for a future episode? Yes to both of those things. Uh, uh, Michelle, uh, I can't give you any hints beyond what you've already seen, but I will say that it's been hinted to many a time. And I think the lovely thing about season two, beyond just my character, is that the crew, uh, all eight of us, we all just get closer and closer and closer as we continue yeah. to skirt death together. <laughs> but is there any specific character or alien species that I'd like to see Uhura paired up with? I want Uhura to have a hot alien lover so bad um, but I find that that would be difficult for makeup and prosthetics to sort of get around how we're going to do any of that. But I think that platonically and professionally, uh, um, I think Uhura <laughs> is incredibly fascinated by alien species, by non-humans being a linguist uh, who mm. speaks 37 languages. I think there are definitely some species of people that she is really excited to have conversations with in their native language, maybe aliens that we haven't seen yet. In season one, in the episode where Una and La'an are doing Enterprise Bingo, they play mm -hmm. good cop, bad cop with uh, two young ensigns. And mm -hmm. one of the ensigns was a human and the other was, and I'm gonna show my hand here. I don't know what the species of these aliens are called. Bullion. Bullion, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, I, I love, I love the theater and the camp of, of Star Trek when it comes to like grand prosthetic and makeup work that is so precise, but also so like dreamy and, and literally something out of like a children's book. 
Ha ha! Well, now one away. But uh, yeah, I, I think a, a bowling movie. Well, now I'm obsessed with this idea that maybe James Kirk learned his uh, love of alien intimacy from Ahura. I Ooh. mean, I maybe wouldn't that, put it back. Maybe she planted those seeds, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to get a little more into specifically Strange New Worlds, not just Star Trek. And we will start with a call from our original caller, Peter. Peter. Hi, this is Peter again. Thank you, Celia, for being a part of today's Open Pike Night episode. Now that we have completed Season 1 of Strange New Worlds, and as we get ready for Season 2, I would like to get your thoughts about your friendship with Hammer. Can you talk about how he influenced Uhura when he mentored her? If Hammer had not taken Uhura under his wing, how would her personality and career path differ from what we saw in Season 1? Thank you for answering my questions. Live long and prosper. God, who would Uhura be without Hammer? my grumpy antenna boy. <laughs> I don't know. I think Uhura, after witnessing Hammer's fate, walked out of the cargo bay with a lot of grief, of course, a lot of red hot unprocessed rage, but she also left with a vibrance and understanding of life that she did not have. I think she left that space with an understanding that Hemmer meant so much to me in the brief moments that I've known him. There is a possibility for people to say the same thing about me. And I can't help but think of that Maya Angelou quote, people will forget what you say, people will forget what you do, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. And I think that is something that stays with Uhura is the feeling of, I want to make sure I create spaces or, or create environments that allow my crew to feel as seen, supported, uplifted, cheered for, as Hemmer made me feel, uh, me, Uhura. And also Bruce and Celia, because Bruce really inspired me to just don't lose the 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 theater of it all. Don't lose the heart. Don't lose the magic, the sparkle, the wonderment. I admire him so deeply. And I don't know if if I, in the moment, could explain it to him in the way that I, I now can with the knowledge that I have of just what Hemmer's relationship with Uhura, just I, I now that I'm now that I'm like a year and some change older, I, I guess I, I like to think I have a, a better understanding of what it means to have somebody who is in your corner, but also treats you like the capable adult you are. Someone who does not sugarcoat things for you. Someone who does not spoon feed you because that would, what, what would be easier and, and, and a cop out. No, Hemmer was like the tough love guru shepherd of Uhura's very turbulent and lost energy. He was, he was a funnel for her. I don't know if Uhura would have the same lightness and loveliness that she will eventually have in the future. I think it's going to take Uhura a long time, my Uhura, a long time to understand just how important Hemmer is, I don't like using was when it comes to him, is to her. 
Um, uh, and her just vibrance and, and appreciation of, of the goodness in life and, and her stress on fostering a community that feels safe. I think she absolutely learned that from him. Bruce Horak, I miss you. I love you. If you're listening, we miss you. Uh, uh, please keep drawing because it brings me so much peace and joy to, to, mm-hmm. to, to see your, your hammer cams from the moon with little baby Gorn. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, as much admiration and, and appreciation Uhura has for Hammer, I think Celia has tenfold for Bruce just because he was my like scene partner through the season. He, 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 he mm-hmm. was the guy that I was seeing the most often and he always had just such lovely energy and was such a, he was just so good for me to have on set for my first big TV experience. He, he, he really just, took me under his wing for real and 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 treated me with such patience and dignity and respect and we we had such a synchronicity in our third eyes we just we just shared a brain cell for for some weeks um and and we really were on a good i remember being delirious at three o'clock in the morning and 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 doing scenes where we're just like walking and talking and sharing crazy techno babble and like in between takes we would not say a word but we would just like gently groove to some daft punk it, it, it was it was great we we had a wonderful time but um yeah love that guy uh and so does uhura <laughs> so yeah i think we've got two more audio clips uh, i mean do you have a pretty hard out in five minutes or no have- i i love it here i, I love it here. We, we, <laughs> okay, let's right. keep going <laughs> all right let's do it celia thank you for bringing even more life and depth to a character we already loved my question kind of revolves around that We know that the people who have played Uhura in the past, especially Nichelle Nichols, have used that platform to do so much good in the world. And just watching you since you came on Strange New Worlds and your positivity and message of inclusion is amazing. So I'm wondering if you had the opportunity that Star Trek gives you to have this platform for a lot of people for a long time, what are your hopes and dreams for what you could do with it? Thank you all for all the work you're doing. You're wonderful. Be well. You've talked a bit about this, but yeah. yeah, what what do you see on the horizon? Oh gosh. Um, I don't know why I got all bashful all of a sudden. <laughs> um uh, uh I just I, I, I have so many dreams. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know why I got shy. That's so weird. <laughs> um but thank you, Abby, for your wonderful question that I have been stewing on for so long. My dream, my like capital D dream would be to have a mentorship program for young black and brown kids who are artists, but don't necessarily feel incredibly academically inclined. Because as someone who felt that same way, I think it would just be wonderful to have a program where young black and brown artists who know that that's what they want to to lend their creativity, just to feel supported. I don't know. I don't know how we would go about it, but, um, (laughs) I, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm such a selfish little glutton. I, I, I really do feel as though the younger version of myself that lives within me forever, the 15, 16 year old who didn't think that they had good enough grades to get into a decent college, but really just loved telling stories and really loved being a performer. I, I think mentorship programs with other people who may have felt that same way. Uh, and just like, I don't know if it would be like 
emotional support or academic uh, uh, counseling or like pairing people up with tutors. But I think that there is a community, a vast community of black and brown talent that are held back because of economical situations, of academic situations, of feeling as though they can't do it because they aren't quote, quote, smart enough, whatever that means. I, 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 I hope that there is a space for that specifically because it's something that I needed and I firmly believe that if there's something that you dream of that isn't available to you yet, it is your task to make it. No one will make it for you. Um, unless you are mega rich and have a, a, a group of people who can make it for you. I don't have that. Um, so uh, uh, that, it, that would be the dream just to uplift as many black and brown artists who feel as though they don't have that same uplifting space anywhere, just a space to, to, to be themselves and not feel as though they're drowning in, in, an uncomfortable relationship with academia because I needed that. And I found that in, in specific conservatory programs, shout out to Barrage. Yeah. That's, that's, that's something I would want to do just because it's really important to me to make sure that my community feels uplifted. Very cool that you are not only filling the earpiece, as we said, but I mean, you're, you, you really seem to be truly walking the Nichelle Nichols path. I mean, that's, that's a thing that, is as John mentioned earlier, it's not pop culture now. Trek is culture. And to know that the people that have a chance to affect culture understand that responsibility and have thought about it and have passion about it is just, I mean, a, a lot of what I say isn't questions, but that's just amazing to hear. So thank you again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I, I like the non-questions so I don't have to think of an answer. <laughs> thank you. That, that, means a lot i i am very young and uh so it i don't know i i, I have these big dreams as every kid does because uh, i still very much feel like a, a a kid adult i'm i'm in in adulthood i'd be a toddler uh uh three uh, I, i'd be three years old <laughs> I'm, I'm a three-year-old adult um and, and so like uh it 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 means a lot to me to have my grand dreams and visions for the future uh seen and recognized and and honored so thank you for saying that. well i am also a bit of a grown child myself mm-hmm. um <laughs> so if, if i were on set uh, like i would be i would have total ownership over my area yep. like i would always be holding my badge and stuff do you yep. we've seen uhura be very protective of her new communication station yes. are you the actor also protective of that station? Have you customized it in some way to make it your own? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, in ways that sometimes get me in trouble. <laughs> yeah, uh, that means it's um, worth doing. Yeah. I I do my job. I, I, I show up to work with my lines memorized. I do. I, that's a promise. Um, sometimes we have last minute script changes and mm. things are hard to memorize when you're in a high stakes situation and trying to do your job. And so techno battles never hard to memorize, is it? No. <laughs> um, it's, it, there's a little pocket in the chairs. I'm going to model my chair as if it's mm. kind of similar. 
but the the little cushions on the back of the chairs lift up. And one day, I I don't know, it, it was one of my ADs lifted up the little cushion and like nine scripts fell out. <laughs> <laughs> and no one had realized that's what I had been doing. Um, and so he uh, he was lifting it to move the chair, but the little cushion part came up and just all of my shame on the floor of the bridge in front of in front of my lovely cast and crew. <laughs> so yeah, I've absolutely customized it more to help me as an actor. <laughs> but um yeah, I I I'm such a tactile person. I constantly mm. need something to do with my hands or I'm going to bite my nails or or I just I can't focus if I I'm unmedicated ADHD, got to have something with my hands. Um mm-hmm. and so the little gumdrop buttons, some of them, I know which ones are like wigglier than the others. Um, and, and so sometimes I'll wiggle a a gumdrop button until it eventually falls off and we have to call somebody to glue it back onto the set and then I get in trouble again. (laughs) Um, But I'm very protective of, of my, uh, of my space and my station. I'm like, when I get hailed, it actually happens on set every time a a, a cue is called and the little thing comes up and and I very often customize, like, can I actually have it on this screen? Because it makes the most sense to not have it in my direct eyeline and be in my peripheral because my direct eyeline is constantly monitoring comms. And it it would be, it wouldn't, it's like one of those pop-ups that, that you can't, like X out of, uh, you, you have to move it. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, I, I customize many things. I touch a lot of props that don't belong to me. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I just, I, I, I got to touch it. If it's shiny and looks cool, I'm going to put my hands on it. I'm so sorry. Does that <laughs> so, include uh, Pike's hair? Oh yeah. Well, I haven't gotten there yet, but every once in a while, Anson, I, it's so funny. Watching everyone fall in love with Anton's hair in real time was such a joy. Uh, uh, it is it is hilarious to think that out of all of the things we do within this show, there is such a diehard fandom for Pike's Peak, and it 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 tickles me quite dearly because it is so hilarious and ridiculous and true. Yeah, so I I've decided not to. Uh, uh, mess with the because it's probably insured. Uh, uh, I've decided to leave it alone. But yeah, I'm constantly poor Ethan. The amount of times I've been like, can I just like poke your ear real quick? <laughs> Crazy. Um, and and he he humors me every time. Mm. Uh, that sweet sweet man. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 putting my grubby little mitts on on anything because <laughs> it's all so cool and it's all so realistic. It it. I don't know. They made a really bad choice putting a, a, a wide-eyed theater kid in one of the coolest <laughs> sci-fi franchises and expecting me not to touch everything and try and take things home. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> I know the first time we saw the retro-futuristic bridge with the jelly bean buttons, like, everybody just, I just want to touch the buttons. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need them to do anything. I just want to touch them. That's I just want to touch them. So and they have to be glued into the thing because if not, I know they're fake, but I will try to eat them. <laughs> I will. I they will look this, delicious. They look yummy. And I will put this gross, many times touched piece of plastic into my mouth in a post-COVID world. That's yeah. why they have to glue them down to protect me from my intrusive thoughts because I'm a fail. 
every time. You are a theater kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm such a, uh, a a nerd at heart. I'm just a silly, goofy guy with a whole lot of responsibility. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a it, that's why it feels like summer camp because it's like a sensory playground with a bunch of cool people who I've looked up to forever who believe in me and support me and uplift me. And it's, it's, it's the best. It's literally the best. So you mentioned a while ago, a certain regal quality about Nichelle Nichols performance. And, uh, you happen to have a bit of a regal quality in the Elysian Kingdom, uh, which is definitely a pod favorite. And we would be remiss since we have a little extra time to not bring that up and let you talk about your experience as Queen Nev. Of course. Oh, where to begin? I love seeing <laughs> the fantasy episode as a, a lover of all things extravagant for the sake of just the glamour. I, I when I saw the sketch of my dress, I think I, I, I think I blacked out a little bit. Cause I was just hmm. like, I get to wear that more than once. Uh, uh, Cause as an actor, you often get styled in these really cool dresses, but then you have to give them back in the morning. Um, hmm. But I, I just loved her gown and her, her shoulder spikes and her nails that were so impractical. My God, um, uh, I couldn't do anything with those fingers. I just had to like sit and 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 serve, uh, which we did. But the Elysian Kingdom, I love that that was Babs. That was his episode that first season. I'm a sucker for like a lovely father daughter story. Mm. Um, I'm, I, I'll I'll fold and weep every time without fail. And. Babs is so wonderful. He's such an incredible, impactful actor. He has a wonderful way of being so stoic and and quite still within himself, but also so incredibly expressive and telegraph exactly what needs to be telegraphed. Um, it's a shame that I only had like two scenes within that whole episode. And the most of the yeah. time I was like, I'm going to get you and ruin your day. Uh, uh, that was that was uh, a Queen Neb's uh, uh, vibe worded by Celia. We were really well into the season at the time. We'd been well over halfway there and I couldn't help but need like something. I, I, I didn't know what it was that I needed, but it was just something to like rev us back up. We, we were in that like 11th hour slump of like, we've been doing this for like four and a half months team, like Ooh. something new, something, something new for the palette, please. Um, and that's exactly what the, the fantasy episode was. That's what we call it. The Elysian kingdom, uh, mm -hmm. the fantasy episode, because everyone was playing characters that were so opposite to themselves. I had a Fabio Spock henchman. That's what I called him with his wig. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Cause it was very Fabio. The wig was giving Fabio. And I told, and yeah, I told him, yeah. that. I told him, I told him that every day I saw him. Um, <laughs> but I got to just, step into a completely different Uhura. Uh, uh, not, I, I got to step out of Uhura entirely and, and play a, a, a villain, a scary mm -hmm. uh, as, as a Disney, not a Disney kid, but as someone who grew up watching Disney movies, the villains always have the best songs. Um, mm. And so I, I, the collective nod amongst the three of y'all at this point in time. Those poor, <laughs> unfortunate souls. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, and so uh, I was—I've I've always been fascinated by villains. I've always wanted to play a villain, um, uh, uh, not like a villain for like 
oh, they have a reasoning, just a villain for a villain's sake. I just find that so interesting uh, to, to sort of have to, as an actor, um, rationalize their thought process in your mind. It's such a it's such a challenge and a journey that I love uh, uh, undertaking. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, every time I think back to that episode, it was such fun to shoot. Everyone looked so cool. Everyone was getting to flex different like actor chops. We got to like preview Chrissy's singing voice, which was wonderful. <laughs> Stream Twin Flame uh, yeah. uh, on on right. all on any place you get your music. Stream Twin Flame by Christina Chong. It's a bop. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was just a wonderful, a wonderful, lovely experience. And knowing that we have an episode in season two that washes that episode is wow. so lovely and wonderful. You guys haven't seen it yet because you've only seen up to episode six. But when I tell you episode nine is going to do it <laughs> like All no right. Trek has been done oh, before, wow. I stand 10 toes on that statement. And y'all will know Ooh. what I'm talking about in, 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 in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, I think it's, Tomorrow it's uh, six more Thursdays until the the, the big nine. Um, tomorrow uh, and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yeah, but tomorrow. who's counting? Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, uh, uh, but um, yeah, I, oh, I love doing it. That's exciting. I hope we get to see you play more heavies because you were you were great too. Yeah, that, me too. I I mean I'm I'm very good at playing. I like to think not to toot my own instrument. Um, uh, but I like to think I'm fairly decent at, at at playing characters on these paths of the self-love journey, someone who's like beginning mm. to love and honor themselves and is sort of walking that line of like, am I going to make life easy for myself because I understand that I deserve ease and peace and joy and loveliness, or am I going to make things hard for myself because for whatever reason, I don't believe I deserve ease. It's wonderful mm. to play characters who who have to deal with that mental dilemma but it's also really fun to play characters who are like i'm the shit and y'all are all below me and y'all are gonna treat me as such like that, that's also very fun to play that's why we get in the theater right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It, literally exactly I, again they've given me far too much power as, as, as a theater. just dork silly silly goose um uh uh and they've taken uh, they've given me an opportunity to to just embellish my silliness but also like take it real seriously i don't know I, they, they've again given me far too much well we do have one more caller question and i really like where we've gotten to in this conversation yeah, for, for jesse from crusher convo's question hey guys it's jesse from crusher convo just recently we taped a special episode called the women of trek and we praised Celia's take on Uhura and how we felt that Nichelle would be super proud of her. We just love this new Uhura we have gracing our screens. So my question for Celia is, outside of the Star Trek universe, what actor is an inspiration of yours? All right, that's it, guys. Thanks. Crush her out. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, Kiki Palmer is mm. such an inspiration of mine because she has found a way to remain so incredibly authentic and so incredibly true to herself in the way she moves about the world and represents herself. And she has developed such a following of people who just live 
for her, myself <laughs> included. Like like a a she has developed such a name for herself in this industry industry as such a professional and someone you want to work with and someone you want to share space with. And she is such an incredibly devoted actor who has really given her all to a whole range of different sorts of characters, but she's also an incredibly accomplished producer, a TV host, a, 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 a network owner. Like she is just such a mogul, but also such a wonderful artist and inspiration. I like, I want to do what she does, but no one can do what Kiki does. And that is what I think makes her so cool. Like, I, I don't know. I, I consider myself to be a very bubbly individual. I love the sound of my own voice and I love to talk um, uh, as most actors do, truthfully. But I think Kiki Palmer is such an inspiration because she is someone who recently, at least in, in, in my understanding of her career, and she may have been doing this for longer than I've had eyes on her, but I've been following her since Akila and the Bee. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, for those of you who know, um, I, I've, been, I've been following her forever. And so to watch her almost like the, when I think of the like coming out of the shell metaphor, allegory, whatever that is. I don't know. I, again, not incredibly academically inclined, child. Other people tell me what to say. I don't say shit for myself. Um, uh, but she never had the shell. Bum the shell. Yeah. Uh, uh, that sort of uh, uh, energy and to watch that be so well received, especially coming from a world that is typically quite unkind to outspoken, charismatic, bubbly, energetic, fun, dark-skinned Black women, uh, uh, it's been so inspiring as someone who has had the experience of being a black woman and it's just inspiring to really see someone do it and nail it and be so respected in this community. That, that, that That's someone who's incredibly inspiring to me. Kiki, I love you, girl. Um, oh, she's uh, listening. So yeah, yeah no, I let her know. <laughs> I, I was curious, did you watch uh, Zoe Saldana's performance at all when you were modeling? Oh, you did? Okay. Yes, I did. That was actually my first Ufura. My mother was a huge oh. fan of the um, movies, the Kelvin movies. I think that's what it's called. I think that's what people are calling mm-hmm. it, the Kelvin timeline. And so that was my first Ufura. I remember very vividly uh, my mother taking my sister and I to go watch the Star Trek movies on a school night. And I felt so cool being in a movie theater <laughs> on a school night, but my mother had to see the movie and had to see it at, at late, late. I think we need to get your mom on the show. No, yeah. she's super cool. Listen, if you think I talk over time, <laughs> it is an inherited trait. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, uh, Zoe Saldana was my first Uhura and I remember just being so enamored by her and, and just being so like, she's cool. Like, like she's, she's cool. She's badass. And, 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 and is like ponytail is kick ass. Like I just remember being a kid and being just so enamored by her as kids are nothing like no part of the actor in me at that early age was like, I'm really interested in how she telegraphs these emotions. Like she has a really good, good uh, 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 emotional tell card. I was just like, She's cool and pretty and and <laughs> awesome and that's cool uh, and and so yeah I, I, my I've I've always been an Uhura fan in many iterations and so it it's it's been wonderful. So you as well as the entire cast in 
I think every interview that I have seen for season two so far, and yes, I've seen a lot, has mentioned episode nine. You know, episode nine is the one that is going to blow people away. And I believe that and I can't wait for it. But just to get, you know, a, a little bit something else, uh, what episode other than episode nine <laughs> would you say is the one you are most looking forward to, for people to see from season two? I I think the Lower Decks crossover is episode uh, seven. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm looking forward for people to see, just because what Jack and Tani and the legend himself, Jonathan Frakes, who directed that episode, I just love what they did. And as someone who got to see it, it it's just so good. It's so, so good. Um, <laughs> Do you have a Jonathan Frakes story? Oh, God, I think so. Oh, <laughs> I don't. And you want to know oh. why? Oh. Because so. I got COVID-19 when oh. they were shooting that episode. No. Oh, no. And so I had like one day with him. And it was a day where he was gracious enough to come back and, and, and help me. But we did like almost all of my scenes the, the, the first day I was available to shoot again. But I remember just being so, again... I just just to give people a peek behind the curtain, I move through the set every day in wonderment as to how I got here. And <laughs> and it is often it never leaves me the feeling of like, OK, I'm on Star Trek. I'm a person on Star Trek that I can't even begin to process who. But I'm here and this is real. OK. Um, and so I had many moments of looking Jonathan Frakes in the face and him giving me a note or just some like incredibly wonderful words of wisdom or some things to get me through another take of the scene and being like, dude, you're Riker. You're talking to me <laughs> right now as a person. We're holding eye contact and this is wonderful. Uh, and I've completely forgot what you've said to me, but I'm going to pretend like I've been listening this whole time. Uh, and I have been really, really hard because I really want you to be proud of the work that I'm doing. <laughs> Director, sir. Um, uh, uh, and, and so... Yeah, uh, he 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 was just so funny and lovely and wonderful. And I think he knew that everybody was like, but, and by everybody, I mean me, myself, because I can't speak for anybody else. But I think there was an air of like, <gasps> Jonathan Frakes is on set. Everybody, everybody be on your best behavior. It, it was like the superintendent walking in during a math class and everyone being like, so are we just supposed to pretend the superintendent isn't here? And <laughs> are we just supposed to like move normally with class or like, is this a Kahoot day? Like what's, what's happening? Um, uh, and yeah. So I, I think my, my Jonathan Frake story is, a story that I think anyone who has ever met him will be able to tell and that he is just so lovely and has such a, a, a charm about him that is so, he like so easily disarmed my anxiety and, and disarmed my need to be perfect. And he, he just like gave me such an air of like, I trust you. I trust what you're doing. Like go for it kid and wow. and that was so good for me because he represents the era of trek that my character lives in and mm. and so it, it like he he i'm sure he knows uhura lieutenant uhura uh uh in a way that i as someone who's playing cadet uhura like he just has a he has a scope and an eye on that character that i don't have and so 
yeah, it's it's like I keep going back to that like teacher metaphor, but like it's like reciting Shakespeare to Shakespeare. Like like you you, <laughs> you gotta do it, uh, and you gotta do it good. Um, and and as soon as I like finally had a conversation with him, it, it, I just that feeling of like I gotta do it good, like melted away, and I just had such a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, he's <laughs> the best. That guy, he Very really cool. is. <laughs> I. Speak your truth. Speak your truth, Gabe. I, I, that's that's what I'm about to, and I don't know what my question is, but I was a fan of the Sam Kirk or her mentorship, uh, mm-hmm. and then and then Hammer swooped in and stole her away from Sam. Is there any hope for us, Sam Uhura shippers? <laughs> um, Sam Uhura shippers, mentor shippers, uh, uh, mentorship, mentor shippers. I... Oh no, that does make sense. Looking back at at at, at thinking back to other, yeah, that checks. That totally checks. Um, I cannot answer your question. His scene with you on the comet, like that endeared me to his character, endeared me to your character. I love love that scene. I love Sam Kirk. I think he has such an energy of, he, I believe, says the things that audiences Mm -hmm. would initially say of, of like he asks those, I would say not Trekkies, because Trekkies have a respect for Starfleet and its iconic characters like I think audiences who may not be as like in love with Trek as we are I think Sam asks a lot of the questions that those people would ask of like are you feeling anything in there Mr. Vulcan man like like what's going on Uh, are we gonna approach the scary death egg oh we're gonna Okay, I guess we're doing it. Like, his again, love humans, love displays of humanity, truth and honest (laughs) humanity. And Sam Kirk was that in a bow of just like, what we're doing here is very cool, and I'm on the flagship. Yeah, but also like (laughs) we have life and death situations every day, and this is not normal. Like, I I, I just I I love the the many voids Sam Kirk fills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It shows you how to live. Sometimes he shows you how to die on yeah. a comment for a little while. You know, Range. he's a good mentor. Duality. Exactly. We all <laughs> have it. <laughs> open Pike Night is an open mic night theme podcast, and so Celia Rose Gooding, do you have a joke for us tonight? I do. I do have all something right. for you. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, 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 okay. Here's my hilarious joke that is very funny um, and that you will all laugh. Uh, uh, what is Mario's favorite kind of overalls? Other than blue? Denim, denim, denim. Oh. <laughs> Thank you and good night. This has been Open Pike Night. My name is Celia Rose Gooding. I'm Kenyatta Ozora on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. You can catch us streaming new episodes every Thursday, baby. Nailed it. <laughs> Strange wow. New Thursdays. Thursdays, yes. Oh, you did that when you first came on. I was like, I know that tune. What was it? And I couldn't, I couldn't uh, think of it. Wow. Thank you. When I first heard that joke, I'm not kidding. I'm being so serious. That was one of the first few times I peed myself laughing. I'm going to go tell my nine year old that joke as soon as we're done. Uh, listen, oh, yeah. and he's it's going to kill. You're 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 gonna you're gonna be a hero. Um. Uh. Uh. But yeah, that found me on a day where boy oh boy did that tickle me deeply. It it got me on a good day, and that's one of my favorite jokes to tell. One of those moments of pure joy. Yes, pure, <laughs> undeniable, inescapable, 
I, I, I would go farther than joy. I would say true hysterics, like, 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 <laughs> truth, like just unhinged of like, I'm not a person in a body anymore. I'm just a vessel for some giggles. <laughs> that, that was undeniable. Oh, that's an excellent description. Thank you. Yeah, new t-shirt is sharing that with us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy to. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for being joining us today. Thank you for your time. And thank you so much for what you're doing with strange new worlds. Of course, of course. I'm I'm happy to. Thank you for allowing me to go over and 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 talk about. You got such good questions from the fans. Uh, That oh yeah, that I that that um call in mechanism, genius. (laughs) So so thank you. And I'm sure it takes a lot of pressure off of y'all to to like. I'm sure you have to scan through and and edit a lot of questions and screen all of them and make sure that they're decent and kind. But I think like. I don't know. Maybe every once in a while y'all hear a question and you're like, that's what we want to know. A hundred percent. It's not very difficult. We've never had a single call where somebody is like, oh, I'm just going to spew hate and vile. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and like, well, we're not going to play that. But uh, yeah, I clean up the calls a little bit. But I mean, really, when as a group, as we came up with the idea, it's like, well, we are three white guys. And, you know, it'd be really nice to uh, gather a bigger community is to not have only three white guys talking. I appreciate your awareness. I appreciate that. Because not everybody has it. Uh, 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 but I, I appreciate y'all down. John, I think my favorite way you phrased it was, what do you call three white guys in their in their middle years? A podcast. Yeah, a podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! My God! We've been talking tonight with Celia Rose Gooding. Every time that we meet somebody from this show, you guys, I'm, I'm just so elated with it because I, I kind of figured, okay, like, you're going to meet Anson Mao and Ethan Peck in person at this convention. And then the starstruck quality will just wear off. Right. And that didn't happen to me. And I, I'm so happy. Like this is the coolest thing. And I'm so glad we get to do this show, man. Celia loved the calls she got to listen to tonight. And thank you for all of our callers for calling in. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you to, uh, Mark, Steve, Pam, Shatterhand and Morhana who are our 25-minute set patrons. Jesse, if uh, other people who've never called in before want to get their voice on the Open Pike Night stage, how can they do that? The easiest way to get your voice on our stage is to go to openpike.com slash join us. You can record your voicemail there directly, or if you prefer a higher quality audio, you can record an MP3 and email it to openpike at gmail.com. If you want to follow Open Pike on social media, uh, Jesse, are there like two... Three, There's at least nine two places or three yeah. or nine places. But you know what? We tried to make it easy on ourselves and you and all of our user handles are at Open Pike. That's Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. And while I'm talking about these socials, I may as well remind you to go to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter so that you can win one of our very cool pin giveaways that a drawing is happening for after episode five? Did we decide five? episode five. That a drawing is happening for after episode five. That's one per social media channel, so that gives you at least four chances to win a free pin from our friends at Heroes in Action. That's pretty cool, Jesse, but I feel like I want to win more. Is there anything else I can win from Open Pike Night? 
Well, Cameron, I'm glad that you asked. And oh. if you want to win a bigger prize, I hear you thinking, well, the stakes must be larger. And they are, but they're only $2 larger. That's right. Any patron that signs up at any tier at patreon.com slash openpike will be entered to win a signed apron. And, and I hear you asking, okay, you guys signed an apron? No. Anson <laughs> Mount signed the apron along with his best friend, Ethan Peck. And we have... <laughs> photographic evidence of it happening. So if $2 is the amount of money that you feel like is worth it to potentially win a signed apron from the captain and the first officer of the Enterprise, definitely go to patreon.com slash openpike and sign up. That drawing will be taking place after season two. Yes. Yeah. It'll be near the end of August on our season two retrospectacular, our second I don't know, seasonal. I don't even know if we can say annual at this point. We, <laughs> who knows when season three is going to come out. As long but, as there's uh, one a year, we can call them annual. Yeah. But you're right. Season three is going to break us. And Cam, where hmm. can folks find you when you're not on the open Pike night stage? Yeah, well, even though I have two Star Trek podcasts, uh, I've never watched the, the Next Generation. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Thank you. Uh, yes, I have Green Shirt, a newbie struck through the next generation, where I don't worry, I'm six and some change seasons into the next generation now. It's great fun. In fact, we're even doing a little bit of DS9 with our DS9 minutes. So tune in, Green Shirt, a newbie struck through the next generation, or wherever you're listening to this. And Jesse, where can folks find you when you're not on the open Pike Night stage? If for whatever reason you need more of me in your ears, just stay in this podcasting app and look for Sudden But Inevitable. In case the title didn't tip you off, yes, it started as a Firefly show. Basically, it's how to get friends to love shows that were canceled too soon. Shows like Cowboy Bebop, there's some freaks and geeks in there. I mean, we go pretty deep into single season shows. I live on the open bike night stage, so you can't find me anywhere else. <laughs> it's also why John tells you you can't stay here at the end of every episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I need to go to bed. So, <laughs> like Jesse said, it's been a long night, and we have had a fantastic time hanging out with Sally Rose Gooding and learning more about her journey into Neo to Uhura on the Star Trek Strange New Worlds Enterprise Bridge. <laughs> and coming up soon, we have Chrissy Chong, La'an herself. So if you have not yet sent in an audio clip, you know, now might be the time to check out openpike.com and uh, learn how to do that. Because you might want to ask Chrissy a question or two. And our guest for our next uh, regular episode is uh, Andy Weir, author of The Martian and mm -hmm. Artemis and Project Hail Mary. If you have never read those books, they're really freaking fun. They're really fun to read. They're easy to read. And they're just good stories through and through. I'm in the middle of Project Hail Mary, and it took all my willpower not just to be reading it during that interview. So it's, <laughs> it's a page turner, everybody can confirm. Well, the Open Pike Night crew has to go speculate wildly about what episode nine is going to be. So be sure to clean up after yourselves. Make sure you tip your servers. You can go anywhere you want, but you can't stay here. Mm -hmm.